0: All right, so if you guys want to turn your Bibles to 1 Peter chapter 4, uh, we'll be making our way to the end of the chapter, Lord willing, tonight, and uh, we've been dealing with the fact that we need God's grace when we go through suffering, and on Sunday we looked at our attitude toward uh, sin, and and uh, because when we're going through suffering, and, you know, we can have a attitude at times we could get mad we could get angry and we could cough up this attitude and and we also talked about our actions toward others when you're going through suffering um some people are hard to live with and and they could get cranky they can get crazy and and uh, so your attitude toward others is always a good thing as well and so peter continues this whole idea of suffering uh in our text tonight so let's go ahead and read first peter Chapter four, verse twelve. It says, Beloved, do not think it is strange, do not think it strange concerning the fiery trial, which is to try you as though some strange thing happened to you. But rejoice to the extent that you partake of Christ's sufferings, that when his glory is revealed, you may also be glad with exceeding joy, If you are reproached for the name of Christ, blessed are you, for the spirit of glory and of God rest upon you. On their part, he is blasphemy, but on your part, he is glorified. But let none of you suffer as a murderer, a thief, an evildoer, or as a busybody in other people's matters. Yet if anyone suffers as a Christian, in doing good as to a faithful Creator. Oh, so much here. I love it. Um, so, Peter is dealing with suffering, right? At your, your, the trials and tribulations, the persecutions that we go through. Um I'm excited by by the way tonight my son is here at church tonight so El Ezra Jude he just made my day I just saw him and I was like okay now there we go it's all I needed um so cool it's his first like out of the womb right being at church it's pretty awesome um anyways Um, Peter's dealing with the suffering that we encounter. Obviously, not any suffering, but he's dealing with the suffering specifically because of your faith in Christ Jesus, right? And so, not just any suffering, but let me show you guys what I'm talking about. Look at chapter 4, verse 16. It says, in verse 16, yet if anyone suffers as a Christian, right? Go go down to verse 14. If you are reproached for the name of Christ, look at verse 13. It says, But rejoice to the extent that you partake of Christ's sufferings. So clearly, uh Peter's talking about the sufferings that we experience uh because of uh righteousness sake because of uh the our faith in Christ Jesus. And so clearly that's what he's talking about. When when we suffer for the sake of the gospel of Jesus Christ, uh now Peter's going to give us five things, uh, five things we need to understand as it pertains to uh, suffering as a Christian as a believer in Christ Jesus. Number one, when we suffer as a believer, we need to expect suffering in our lives as believers. Notice in verse 12, go back with me, uh, it's, it's, uh, beloved, do not think it strange concerning the fiery trial which is to try you as though some strange thing happened to you, so it 's not a strange thing that has happened to us as believers when we go through these struggles, these trials these these uh, these things that we 're going through in our life of suffering. In fact, turn with me to Second Timothy to your left, uh, chapter three, Second Timothy. Chapter three. I do understand how important it is uh, as a believer to tell others, you know, about the gospel and all the good things about Christ. And uh, it's a wonderful thing, you know, being a Christian. And that, you know, God will restore you. God will he'll deliver you. He'll he'll uh, man. He'll do so much work in you. He'll bless you like crazy. And and coming to Christ really is an amazing thing. But I also believe that we should tell the world the non-believers. The, the other side as well, right? We should also tell them you should, you're gonna expect suffering in your life. See, a Christian is not a good fluffy teddy bear, right? <laughs> it doesn't have everything together. Christ has you together and he's got you, but because he has you, he has a different way of dealing with you. You're his, either or, either way you like it. But, um, you're his as a believer and and one way he wants to sharpen you and mature you and, and mend you and and do uh, an amazing work with you is to break you and by breaking you it means by bringing you through some suffering and through some trials and through some persecution in fact uh so we shouldn't you know uh, uh, show others uh, through the gospel that you know, it's a good thing, in fact, make it known that, you know, that it's not a strange thing if they're going to be persecuted for their faith in Christ Jesus. Jesus said in John sixteen thirty three, he said, in the world you will have tribulation, right? So it's a promise from God Almighty, and if I was enlisting you guys in the military, I would make sure that you understand, hey, you're going to expect hardships, you're going to expect some retaliation, you're going to expect some resistance. There's going to be bullets coming your way, right? So everybody who's enlisted in the military, they should understand you're going to war, right? There's a, there's a chance if we go to war, you're going, and, and this is what you're called for. And so it's the same thing as a believer— the moment you gave your life to Christ, you were enlisted into a war zone right at that moment but you also been equipped and prepared at that moment it doesn't take fifteen years of oh you now you got to read this book and read this book and do this and do that nope. It's by God's grace at that moment he's already equipped you. If his Holy Spirit's within you, the same Holy Spirit is the same, the, the, the same God who equipped David with Goliath. The same God who spoke the world into existence, right? And and uh, so it's pretty amazing. So 1 Thessalonians 3.3 3 even says that we are appointed to this. And And speaking of the sufferings of uh, that we go through in the context there, and family, we are expected to go through sufferings. we are expected to go through persecutions and trials for our faith in Christ Jesus. So suffering as a Christian is by the way, it's directly linked to godly living. Did you guys know that? It's directly linked to godly living. in fact, in second uh, Timothy chapter three, verse twelve. It says, yes, and all who desire, do you guys desire to live a godly life? Well, here you go. If you desire to live a godly in Christ Jesus, will suffer persecution. Amen, church. I heard a loud rah. <laughs> We're not too thrilled about that part. But that's that's a great sales pitch, by the way, right? For the gospel. You're gonna suffer persecution as well. Oh, you want to sign right here? <laughs> like, hey. Um, but it's cool, it's the work of the Holy Spirit, not you. But um so to live a godly life means in fact that we will suffer for our faith in Christ Jesus. So if you're not suffering for your faith, I think um, it's good to question your own life, really, if you're living a godly life for Christ, you know? Just really, you question your own walk with the Lord. But are we being, you know, closet Christians? Are we te- not telling anybody about Him? You know, are we living out our faith? Are we showing people uh, that we are living for christ do they know that you're living for christ are they like there and there's the christian over there there's bob jerry there's the christian guy right um do they know who you are at work and and wherever you are so if we're living a godly life definitely we should expect suffering go back to first peter first peter chapter 4 Because the suffering that we're going through, it's not a strange thing at all, right? Uh, we should expect it in our lives. Peter refers to it as a fiery trial, right here in 1 Peter chapter 4 verse 12. And, and a fiery trial, it's an interesting phrase since it carries the idea in the Old Testament, of taking some raw ore out of the ground. So basically some gold or silver uh metals. And and the problem with these metals is that they're full of impurities. And and so that they would take these this this metal to the goldsmith and the goldsmiths will, you know Put up the the fire really really hot. Throw the gold in there, and then as it heats up, it turns into a liquid state, right? And then he would remove the top dross from the top, right, and, and throw that away, and so that there's the only thing left is basically pure gold. In fact, the refiners' fire, just kind of like the song that we sing, um, they would do it seven times so that it's so pure, it's it's just it's refined, right? And and so it's so cool. So it, it went through this f- fiery trial if you will, right? To purify it, to cleanse it, to to make it precious, to make it of value. And and understand family that these fiery trials that are coming our way or are in our way right now, right? Um they're not strange, right? And by the way, they're not there to burn us out either. They're there to Build us up, basically, and, and to make us into something more than you already are, but into something God wants you to be. And in 1 Peter chapter 1, if you go to chapter 1, verse 7, talking about these various trials, uh, it says in chapter 1, verse 7 that the genuineness of your faith being much more precious than gold that perishes, though it is tested, so it's tried, it's purified by fire may be found to praise, honor, and glory at the revelation of Jesus Christ. So that's why God allows us to go through these fiery trials, right? To refine us, to purify us, to uh, make us more precious than gold, this gold and these things of this earth are all going to burn up. It's all going to be, it's going to vanish away. It's going to be no more. But you and I are going to continue to live on, right? And so God wants to do something now in equipping you and I, uh, really for eternity's sake. Uh, but back in 1 Peter chapter 12, um, in, in verse, or chapter 4, I'm sorry, verse 12, uh, it says, As though some strange thing happened to you. Now, that word happened, uh, it means to walk together. That's what this word means right here. In other words, what is happening to you and me as a believer when we suffer is not something strange. It's not something out of the ordinary as a believer, right? It's to test us. and, And by the way, God is either allowing it to happen or He's the one making it happen, right? And, and, and this word happen doesn't mean by chance, by the way. This word happen is a different word in the Greek. That, that, it's a word that brings, uh, Really, it brings comfort to me personally because since I know God is with me, He's allowing me to go through this or He's, He's the one making it happen, right? Either or, He has full rights and full authority over what's gonna happen in our lives. And by the way, God will never bring you and I through anything that we can't handle, right? Where His grace is not sufficient. And, and He, as a believer, will, he'll take care of you, right? You're his. And Jude, it says that he'll keep you, right? He holds you together. It's amazing. But if it's for my benefit, right? I get purified. I get refined. I get strengthened through it all. And so really, it's a blessing. And in fact, another benefit to these trials and these testings that you and I are going through is that God Almighty himself he comforts you and I when we're going through these trials, these fiery trials uh, it's in second Corinthians chapter one verse three it says, "Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies, and God of all comfort, who comforts us in all our tribulation, that we may be able to comfort those who are in any trouble with the comfort with which we ourselves are comforted by God. So have you guys ever wondered why God is allowing you to go through, you know, this trial, this struggle, this suffering that you're going through? I mean, why allow this suffering, this pain, this anguish that I'm going through, Lord? Like seriously, why? And, and it's not to burn you out, it's to build you up, it's to encourage you. In fact, so that you can now go and encourage other believers in christ right and and i always wondered myself when i was going through stuff in my past i was always like seriously what what is this who's gonna go through this that i'm gonna bring comfort to and what do you know there's somebody crying over there and i'm like oh <laughs> that was meant for me right and i could go and now i can say i could sympathize truly and be like man you know i don't want to talk about myself while you're going through all this but I've been there, and and I I know exactly what you're going through, and does and that really does bring comfort. Now it's not like someone trying to comfort you like now now it'll be all right. Stop crying, and you're like you know what I'm going through, right? Uh, but but now you do, and and so does Christ. And Hebrews says that He's able to comfort us as well. Um, so uh, I think that's pretty awesome. Let's go to the second thing here. When we suffer as believers, we should rejoice in suffering. Rejoice in suffering. Uh, look at verse 13. It says, But rejoice to the extent that you partake of Christ's sufferings. Notice carefully that word rejoice, by the way. And then down at the end of the, the word here, uh, glad. Those are the exact same Greek words. Um, and at the end it says exceeding joy. This is a, a really closely related, but that it, word exceeding joy is more of the like jumping up for joy and like singing at the same time type. So it's like exceeding, it's like joy and gladness, but triple the amount, right? It's like on Red Bull, right? It's like... <sighs> um, so that word "rejoice," oh, oh, by the way, is is a present active imperative. In other words, it's a command by God. There's no options. God is commanding us to what? To rejoice and get the picture. When we're suffering as a believer uh, and we're going through all this stuff, we're commanded by God to continually, repetitively rejoice with exceeding. Gladness, right? To re- rejoice with joy in the midst of our suffering, in the m- midst of our trials that we're going through uh, as believers. And and if you don't believe me, by the way, turn turn with me to First Peter. Um, go to chapter one, First Peter chapter one. In fact, go to verse six. It says, Peter says, "In this you greatly rejoice." Though now for a little while, if need be, you have been grieved by various trials. In fact, James chapter 1 verse 2 says, Brethren, count it all joy when you go through uh, and fall into various trials. Very interesting. So we are to rejoice when we go through sufferings for the Lord's sake, for his name's sake. Amen? Amen. Is with me so far? Is it too fast? Should I slow down? Should we just pray in between each one? Are we good? Okay, let's keep going. Uh, so, so why, why are we, why are we to rejoice in the midst of our suffering, in the midst of our pain, our anguish, our hardships, the things that we're going through? I mean, to stop and pray and rejoice, and and really, that sounds like a crazy person, right? Well, Peter gives us five reasons why. We should rejoice in the midst of the sufferings that we're going through because of our faith in Christ Jesus, because we love Jesus. Number one, it's because we are partakers of Christ's sufferings. Notice in verse 13, it says, But rejoice to the extent that you partake of Christ's sufferings. Interesting. What, what does that mean? We are partakers of the same sufferings of Christ? You know, obviously not to the same extent, obviously, right? Because Christ went to the cross and everything that he went through. But in the fact that Jesus suffered for righteousness' sake, right? That you suffer for righteousness' sake as well. And so rejoice that you're going through the same type of suffering. And he suffered unjustly. He suffered uh for righteousness unjustly. And we become partakers of the same suffering as well since we suffer uh For the same thing, unjustly, for righteousness' sake, right? For our faith in Christ Jesus... And, and remember in Acts chapter 5, there's Peter and the disciples, and what are they doing? That's the, uh, I think it's the day after Pentecost, and, um, they're giving the gospel, right? They're in town, there's all the people, and they're presenting the gospel to everybody, and, and they ended up getting thrown in prison, an angel breaks them out, right? And that night, and then the next day, what are they doing? They're back in the same place, and they're proclaiming the gospel of Jesus Christ again, and then, so they, the, the rulers of the synagogue, right? The, the Sanhedrin, the seven member council, the Jewish guys, right? They would uh, they told him, hey, don't you preach or teach or don't do anything and speak of in the name of Jesus again, basically. Right? And and they're like, should we really listen to man or should we listen to God? Seriously? You know, like, uh, This is whole, this whole thing is meaningless, guys. And so they let them go. And what do they do? They start giving the gospel again. It was, those guys like, they charge me up. I love it. So they, they got arrested again. And I, it's just amazing. It keeps going. But in Acts chapter five, verse 41, and so they departed from the presence of the council, rejoicing that they were what counted worthy to suffer shame for his name they counted it worthy that they were able to go through the same sufferings as Christ for his name's sake. And family, when we suffer for our faith in Jesus Christ, we are then partakers of the same suffering uh, with Jesus Christ. So what a great reason, right, alone that we should rejoice in our sufferings. Now secondly, we should rejoice in suffering since we will be glorified, since we'll be glorified. Notice in verse 13, it says, uh, back in 1 Peter chapter 4, that when his glory is revealed, you may also be glad with exceeding joy. So why should we rejoice in suffering since, well, we'll be glorified, right? Um, well, when, when, when will we be glorified? In verse 13, it says when, when his glory is revealed. So obviously, it's a re- reference to Jesus Christ, right? And, and so when will the glory of Jesus Christ be revealed in totality? Well, at his second coming. That's when it's going to happen, right? When he comes again in all of his glory. And but when he comes again, guess what? You and I are going to be with him. We're going to be riding with him. It's going to be awesome. But in Revelation chapter 19 verse 14 at the end, it says uh, it's talking about against his army, but we're we're the army, right? We're with him. In fact, in Jude 14, uh it says, "Behold, the Lord comes with 10 thousands of his saints and i love that clearly when jesus christ comes back you and i will come with him Uh, in fact in first john chapter 3 verse 2 it says beloved now we are children of god and it has not yet been revealed what we shall be we know that when he is revealed we shall be like him for we shall see him as he is and everyone who has this hope in him purifies himself just as he is pure so Paul says in fact in Romans chapter 8 verse 18 he says for I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which is to be revealed in us so you and I will be glorified together with him and that's why when we're going through suffering uh, because of our faith in Jesus Christ we rejoice amen church man. And so, let's come to the third thing here. We re- we should rejoice because, well, we're blessed. In fact, notice in verse 14, it says, "If you are reproached, so if you're insulted, if you're persecuted, if you're suffering right for for the name of Christ, uh for the name of Christ, for our faith, right for our for the sake of righteousness, blessed are you." Wow. Do you want to be blessed? <laughs> right if you do it involves suffering for the sake of the gospel and t- tell that to your prosperity teaching friends right <laughs> <There you go. laughs> they will be like scratching their heads oh Right? Um, so turn back with me to Matthew chapter five, right? The Beatitudes, the blessings. Matthew chapter five, um, Peter received this teaching about being blessed from Jesus Christ himself. I, I sat there and I was, I wonder, I was like, hey, where did Peter get this from? Where went? and I kind of searched my head and it didn't take too long. And I was like, duh, Jesus was talking about it, right? And Matthew chapter five, look at verse 10. Um, Jesus says, For sure, right? Uh, This is a blessing for you and I if we go through suffering for the name of Christ Jesus, right? For our faith in Christ. And by the way, we're gonna, right? They're gonna be like, the Christians did it. He did it. She did it. And you're gonna be like, Right, you're gonna find yourself in prison, and then you're gonna you're gonna hear the heads dropping, then you're gonna start going in the same direction. And what does the Bible require of you at that moment? Hopefully this teaching comes back to you at that moment, right? But what are we to do? What did the disciples do when they were in prison? They were rejoicing, they were seeking after the Lord. They counted it It Just awesomeness, right? That they were able, counted worthy to go through the sufferings of Christ that Christ went through. It's pretty amazing. So let's come to the fourth thing here. We should rejoice in suffering because we are empowered. We are empowered. Notice in verse 14, it says, For the Spirit of glory and of God, so speaking of the Holy Spirit, rest upon you. By the way, that that word "upon" that's the "epi," right? The the same word used in Acts chapter one, verse eight, when the the Holy Spirit came upon them. Um, it says in. Acts chapter 1 verse 8, but you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon Epi, right? That's the word right there. And when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, it's to empower you and I, right? To enable you basically to go through the sufferings that He has called you to. And, and when we try to get through this suffering and in our own strength and in our own power, what's gonna happen? You're gonna fall, fail and fall miserably, right? It's gonna be like, Eargh! And you're like, how did that happen? It was me that I was, you know, you're trying on your own. Give up and don't try. Just allow the Lord to empower you. And he will. He'll give you the strength that you need. But the moment you think that it's all about you, me, myself, and I, Isaiah 14, I, 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 right? There's the great fall of Satan from heaven. Ah, so watch watch the I, I, I's, right? You guys with me on that? Should we all say I, I, at the same time? No? Okay. All right. All um, right. But so be careful. So in Acts chapter 2, the Holy Spirit came upon the disciples to what? To empower them to be witnesses. That word witness, it's in the, it's in the Greek word for martyr, right? Um so God enabled, he empowered them to die for their faith in him. And and the Holy Spirit does the same thing for you and I today as well. He will give you the strength, the empowerment that you and I need to live out till the very last minute of our life, to the fullness in Him, right? He'll come upon us. Uh, he'll give us the rest that we need. He'll give us the enablement, the empowerment that we need. But it's the Holy Spirit in and through us, the the most power, right? That's the dynamite power that's within us. It's just like that full recharge of just... Right? It's a, it's It's the Holy Spirit. So let's come to the fifth thing here. We should rejoice in suffering because... While well, we glorify God, we should rejoice in suffering because we glorify God. Notice in verse 14, at the end, it says, on their part, so those that are reproaching you because of your faith in Christ Jesus, he is blasphemed. But, but, so in contrast, right, to, to them, on your part, he is glorified. And so, I think the point is simple. When non-believers are suffering, what do they do? They, they blasphemy the name of God, right? They speak all evil of God. And by the way, these are the same people that are like, oh no, I'm an atheist. And they're like, but they use God's name every day. What? What's that? <laughs> right? Why is God even in your vocabulary if you don't believe in God, right? I like making fun of atheists. It's hilarious. I go on the streets at College Ave right here and, and, uh, and then downtown. I just, I love it. I just, oh, you're an atheist. And I just light up, man, because I could just play around with them, right? You just talk to them for a while, then you attack, and then you pull back, and then you attack, and then you just start making fun of them. And then they just start laughing at themselves, and they're like, yeah, well, that's weird. Yeah, cool, cool. No, yeah, of course I believe in God, but I just don't want to follow him. And I'm like, of oh, course you do. And don't call yourself an atheist, right? So to me, every atheist does believe in God. And they all, they do. They really do. It's just that they're they just want to throw that out you to give you the card of like, don't talk to me. Right, that's their "Don't talk to me" card. I'm an atheist, but really, it's saying, "Help me!" Right? I'm suffering. I'm going through a lot, and I need Jesus. Right? So when you hear an atheist, give him Jesus. Amen, church. Just go for it. Um, Alright, anyways, but when we believers, right, we're, we're suffering, we bring glory to the Lord when we're going through suffering. And understand what you're saying is, by the way, when you pray, when you say, Lord, I just want to glorify you. I want to, I want to give you the glory. Do you guys know what you're saying when you, when you say that? You're saying, Lord, I want to go through suffering. Right? <laughs> Seriously, because that's what the Bible says. You're going to be in glory to God when you go through suffering. So when you're praying, oh, Lord, help me to glorify you. He's like, okay, all right, you want to go through some suffering? <sighs> Heat it up, right? There it is. So God is glorified when you and I suffer for righteousness sake right and therefore we don't shake our fist at the lord and say why god why me right after all i've given you i've given you my life and and here's how you repay me for all this right i surrendered everything and then now i'm going through all this everything just fell apart just because i gave my life to you right and why am i experiencing all these trials and these sufferings and these afflictions and these hardships right why 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 right right uh and I can see God looking down and be like, why not? Right? <laughs> Who are you? Who am I? Right? Who are you? Okay, good perspective. <laughs> um anyways, back to first Peter chapter four. Let's come to the third thing uh to look at in light of suffering, and there's five that we're going over tonight. Uh the first is we should expect suffering. The second is we should rejoice in suffering. The third is, well, we should glorify God in suffering. In verses 15 to 16, just like we talked about in verse 14, but he's adding a little more here as well about glorifying him. So it says, but let none of you, so speaking to the believers as as Christians, right, um, suffer as a murderer, a thief, an evildoer, or as a busybody in other people's matters. So you may not be a murderer physically, and maybe even not a hater, right? Like, because Jesus said, you hate them in your heart, you've committed murder, right? So maybe you haven't done that as well. Maybe you're not a thief. Maybe you don't like stealing stuff. You like to buy things on your own. That's pretty good. Maybe you're not an evildoer, but... Did you guys catch that last part right here? A busybody in other people's matters, right? And question, do we meddle in other people's affairs? I see this all the time. It's like a common thing in the church. Why do we meddle in other people's matters? Why do we gossip about them? Right? Well, because, well, they're so messed up that they, they need my help, and that's why. That's why you might say, for real? Seriously? Right? Um, you, you're just as messed up as I am, right? So pray for me, by the way, right? We're, we're all in the same boat, guys. And, and why do we do it? Right? We think we're better than other people. I think, I think that's kind of the idea there. We think that we're more spiritual, maybe we're more in tune with the Holy Spirit, and thus, that person, let me tell you for prayer's sake right this is why they said right and then blah, 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 you just pour it all out and and it's not a good thing but peter says not to allow yourself to suffer for the sake of being a busybody in other people's matters and you shouldn't suffer for doing wrong you should suffer for doing what's right right? And I, I see it all the time on Facebook. By the way, you guys could befriend me. I got like eight friends on there, so you can help me out there. Be a friend, right? Um, but but look at verse 16. Yet if anyone suffers as a Christian, right? So if if we are suffering for our faith in Christ Jesus, then really our response involves two things here in verse 16. Number one, we shouldn't be ashamed. Notice in verse 16, uh, in the middle, let him not be ashamed, right? So if we're standing up for the faith, our faith in Christ Jesus, right? Um, when the time arrives, then we need to take advantage of it, right? We don't need to be ashamed of Christ whenever that opportunity arises. And so keep, keep your head up, right? Don't be walking around like, Oh, there's the Christian. Oh, oh just right keep your head up don't be ashamed right be you're you're delighted that you're a fisherman or the oh the packers right and then you're ready to like raw or i'm sorry did i offend you guys should i say vikings is that what i should have said (laughs) now you're awake okay so it's same thing when christ is mentioned man be like amen right i do it on purpose at the store or or wherever i lately i've been studying at a coffee shop and uh and i'll hear people use christ's name in vain right and i'll be like i be like, hey, he's—he's—that's the God I serve, Amen. I'm glad that you call on His name too. I'm sorry if you, I interrupted you in your prayer there. And they're like, what? Oh, how dare you? But it's almost like a good, you know, like try to get interaction with Him. But anyways, um, it says so. Uh, if we're so, we got to stand up for the Lord, right? And I picture Peter writing this, by the way, from his own experience. I, I think I kind of picture it When you're reading this, you're like, "Dude, this is heavy stuff. Like, why, why write this to you, the persecuted believers? They're going through a lot of stuff. Why don't you write something nice to them? And you know, why, why equip them and prepare them in the in the, a, the area of suffering?" But in Matthew 16, you guys remember Peter? He went through it himself. In fact, I think he's writing this in tears to you and I. And I. I think he doesn't want you and I to experience the same thing that he experienced. He denied Christ three times before the rooster crowed. And even though Prior to that, he said, uh, not not so, Lord, with me. Uh-uh. If every, everyone else, they're going to leave you. And they'll, you know, all, all the disciples are like, really, Peter? Seriously, dude? Right? But he's like, but I'll never leave you. Right? And and then, boom, he denies Christ three times. And so I, can't, I can see Peter not wanting you and I to go through the same thing that he went through. And Paul said, by the way, in Romans 1.16, you guys probably memorized this, for I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. For it is better, I'm sorry, it is the power of God to salvation. For everyone who believes, for the Jew first and also for the Greek. Uh, Paul told Timothy in 2nd Timothy chapter 1 verse 8, he said, therefore do not be ashamed of the testimony of our Lord, nor of me, his prisoner, but share with me in the sufferings, there's our key word for tonight, for the gospel according to the power of God. That verse is powerful. That about sums up our whole study, by the way. Um, and 2nd Timothy 1 12, it says, for this reason, I also suffer these things. Nevertheless, I am not ashamed for I know whom I have believed and I am persuaded that he is able to keep what I have committed to him until that day. And, and in fact, Jesus said in Mark chapter 8, verse 38, he says, for whoever is ashamed of me and my words in, in this adulterous and sinful generation, of him, the Son of Man, also will be ashamed when he comes in the glory of his Father with the holy angels. Whoa, right? That kind of slows you down a little bit. The uh, the words of Christ, the red letters are they're 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 a killer for sure. But are are you ashamed of Christ, or are you boldly? proclaiming the name of Christ, right? That Really question your own heart and see where you are and see where you stand with the Lord and and where do you want to stand, right? In the end, you're going to stand before the Lord whether you like it or not and, and that's a scary place to be in. So let's go to the second thing. Our response involved two things. Number one, we should not be ashamed. Number two, we should glorify God. Notice the end of verse 16. It says, But let him glorify God in this matter. So we just seen in verse 14 that if we suffer for righteousness, God is glorified in our suffering. But now, now we see here in verse 16, but now we need, uh, to glorify God through our suffering. And, and I think there's a difference. Yes, when we suffer for righteousness, yes, it brings God the glory. But when we suffer for the sake of righteousness, now we have an opportunity to basically bring glory to God. And, and speaking of our hearts, right? And and now we, we have the option, we have a choice in the matter. And how is that possible? How can we do, well, we can glorify God in many ways, right? But one way is to really not whine and not cry about it. And 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 by not being an Eeyore, right? And moan and groan and 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 going through it all, right? And look at my suffering and look what I'm going through and look at me, right? And you tell the whole world in detail on social media and for the whole world to see that you get to suffer for Christ. How cool is it? Look at me, everybody, check this out. That's your trophy by the way, right? That's your reward. We have a tendency of of thinking that it's all about us when when we gotta put our own hearts in the check mode, right, but it's not about us the the reason I'm going through this is for Christ. it's not for me, little old me, right, little poor me, what did I do to deserve this right It's not about what you you, right? It's not about what you did. It's about what Christ did on the cross and that there's a war going on. You've been enlisted into this military, if you will, right? And God wants to do a work with you because you're on his team. And one way of doing that work in you is to bring you through, through, right? Not just jump over it, but go through the fire of trials right and but when we don't moan and groan to others what are we what we're saying is basically lord i I trust you lord i know that you are in complete control over this situation you know exactly what you're doing uh and and i trust that you know you're either allowing it to happen or you're making it happen but you have full authority over it and lord i believe that you you know what you're doing and i'm just going to trust in you right romans 8 28 right and we know all things work together for good to those who love god to those who are the called according to his purpose so let's come to the fourth thing In, in light of suffering as a believer we need to understand we need to have a heart for the lost in the sufferings that we go through look at verse 17 it says for the time has come for judgment to begin at the house of god and by the way this is clearly a reference this this uh, house of god uh, to the church right of god so you and i as believers uh believers will be judged right and so second corinthians chapter 5 verse 10 we know that we're going to stand before the lord and and uh before the bema seat of christ right and according to first corinthians chapter 3 verse 13 we understand uh that each one's work will be come clear for the day will declare it because it will be revealed by fire and the fire will test each one's work of what sort it is so speaking of that same type of wording there in first peter chapter 4 verse 12 that fiery trial uh so god's judgment starts in his house right but understand it's to what to purify us his judgment is to cleanse us as his church as his bride in that sense so his judgment by the way is not to condemn us we know that in romans chapter 8 right and and verse 1 therefore there's therefore the no Now, no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. So his judgment is not to condemn us to eternal separation from him, right? But but, Because we're born again. We're in his Spirit. We walk in the Spirit. We choose every day to do good according to his will and his word or we have the option to do whatever we want in our own flesh and our own heart's desire and our hearts are desperately wicked right who can know it the bible says and so his judgment toward us involves fiery trials which is to what try us to purify us to cleanse us to make us a value basically like the refiner's fire with gold right but it's to the church corporately and it's also to the to us as the church individually as well and so it says right here and if it begins with us first so indeed it does start with us right what will be the end of those who do not obey the gospel of god so those people will be eternally separated by god right and then peter drives the point home by quoting proverbs chapter 11 here Uh, look at verse 18 it says now if the righteous one is scarcely saved And where will the ungodly and the sinner appear? So the righteous one speaks of you and i who are saved who are born again and, and how are we saved well we're scarcely saved this is an interesting word right here we're barely saved and and the reason we are saved is by the grace of god we all know ephesians 2 8 and 9 right for by grace you have been saved through faith and that not of yourselves right it is the gift of god um not of works lest anyone should boast right you're not going to get to heaven and be like how'd you get here? Well, it's because it's me <laughs> i'm mr wonderful Look at me. No, it's not about you and about your works It's about christ and his grace and romans 3 24 being justified freely by his grace through the redemption that is in christ jesus so we we didn't barely make it because of our works or because of how wonderful we are. We barely made it, in a sense, because of his grace. If he didn't show his grace, we would not make it, is basically what it's saying right here. We're, we're scarcely safe. So look at the end of verse 18. Where will the angali and the sinner appear? So it's a similar question to the end there at verse 17. Uh, what will the end of those who do not obey the gospel of God, is what it says there at the end of verse 17. The answer is simple. They'll appear separated by God. And the, the end of uh, for them is, it's hell. It, it's eternal separation. And, and I think the contrast to those who do believe and to those who don't believe is important for us from really a... Uh, practical standpoint, right? As we see this, both of these guys, right? Well, you you see when we we suffer trials and tribulation and persecution, we go through all that kind of stuff. In our lives as believers, what do we do? Well, we rejoice, right? And, and you, you have a future, you have a glory, you have a hope, your hope is in Christ, in the expectation of His coming, right, or us going to Him. So we have a hope, we have an expectation. But for a non-believer, when they suffer, guess what? They don't rejoice. In fact, they're blaspheming in the name of God, and, and they have no hope. They are, uh, in desperate need of a savior, but they choose not to follow the savior. So when we suffer, sometimes we lose sight of non-believers and their eternal standpoint, and where they're going to be, where they're going to be eternally separated by God. And we're to have a heart for the lost. In the midst of our suffering, we need to remember, we need to just step back and get a bigger picture of, it's almost like get back in the ball game, right? You're playing baseball and the baseball hits you in the leg and you're like, oh, me, myself, and I, right? And then it's almost like the coach being like, we're playing baseball. You ready to play? You ready to get back in the game? And you're like, oh yeah, right? So it's like, get to, get the game face back on and remember your purpose here in life is to what? You're to proclaim the good news, the great commission. We're here for a reason, guys, and we're here to do it well. But it's not us that are doing it well. It's allowing him to do his job because only he can do it well. Amen. So, so we back off, but we get back in the game there. So let's, uh, end with this, uh, in verse 19. The fifth thing uh, that we're talking about in suffering is it involves doing good in suffering. Doing good in suffering, that's the last thing you want to think about, right? When you are suffering. But uh, look at verse 19. It says, uh, whoop, where am I at? Um, it says, therefore let those who suffer according to the will of God commit their souls to Him in doing good. And, and as a faithful Creator. See, when we suffer, we realize that God is, He's faithful, right? God is faithful even when we are faithless, the Bible says. And so when the whole point of knowing this is, uh, we should do good. It's pretty simple, right? So what does that mean to do good? Well, number one, it, inv- it involves the will of God. Notice in verse 19 right here, therefore let those who suffer according to what? The will of God. So if you want to be in God's will, then expect suffering, expect persecution in your life to happen. And when you realize the suffering is by God, then what do you do? Well, you choose to do what is the right thing in your life, in the midst of that suffering that you're going through. What do you mean? I, so I can't shoot him? No. <laughs> you do the right thing, right? Um, you rejoice in it, by the way, so you don't just do what's right. You also rejoice in Christ, knowing who Christ is, right, and what he's doing. But secondly, it involves, look at verse 19, trusting in God. Commit their souls to him in doing good as to a faithful creator. That word commit, it's a banking term. Um, really meaning to put all of your funds, uh, into someone else, right? And that, knowing that they're gonna watch over it, they're gonna protect your funds, uh, and, and they're gonna, you know, whatever, they're gonna do what they do with it. But, so to you and I, we need to put our trust in the Lord Jesus Christ in the midst of the suffering that we're going through, right? And, and I think, It just always comes, you can't talk about suffering, right? Without talking about trusting in the Lord. And when I talk about trusting the Lord, what rings in your head? Proverbs chapter 3, verses 5 and 6. It just kept going through my head. So this will be my big bang right here, right? This is a grand finale. You guys ready for this? Uh, trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding and in all your ways, not in some of your ways, but in all of your ways, you're rejoicing, you're acknowledging in Him, right? And, and He, would, He's gonna do His part. And he's gonna direct your path. So he'll lead you, he'll guide you, he'll protect you, he'll keep you, he'll hold you together in the midst of this suffering that you wouldn't fall apart, that you wouldn't burn up, right, and just die. But, uh, but he's gonna put you in his will, in the, in the place that he wants you to be in. And remember, he'll never put you in a place that you can't handle, a place where his grace can't reach you, right? And can't sustain you and can't, uh, equip you for the, the time that you're in. So God has put you here for a very reason. He's put you in this church for a reason. He's put you in this service for a reason, right? You guys have been enlisted in this service for this time, right? And for such a time as this, right? Uh, and who knows, tomorrow might be, tonight might be the night, whatever. If you haven't gone through sufferings and you guys are scratching your head through this whole thing, right, then uh it's coming. <laughs> it's coming. Rejoice, right? But yeah, be ex- be exceedingly glad that the Lord knows exactly what he's doing. Amen, church? Amen. Stand up and let's pray, guys. Wow, I think I flew through that. i got like 30 more minutes, so... Maybe we should just keep going. You guys want to go to chapter 5? No, I'm just joking. Some of you guys got all like, what? All right, let's pray. Lord, thank you so much, Lord, uh, that you are good, that you are in full control. You're in full authority. You know exactly what you're doing. You're the faithful creator. And Lord, uh, even though we're faithless, you remain faithful in our lives. And it's not because of our works that you show your goodness toward us, Lord. It's because of who you are. It's your nature uh, to show good, and I just thank you, Father, for who you are. And I pray you would continue to be who you are in our lives, that we might continue to look to you and be in awe of who you are, Father. To be, um, to just take a step back, Lord, and, and uh, understand what you're doing in our lives and our and our walk with you. And I pray that all of us, Lord, would have that. Uh, develop that quality time with you lord that personal time that set aside time to just grow in your word and to grow in seeking after you and your will i pray that you would teach us uh this text lord that we just went over and i know i flew through it but uh i pray lord that you would reveal your word to our hearts continue to speak it into our lives and help us to understand where we're going through these things um Lord, I pray that you just shake us up and wake us up, Lord, uh, for the times that we're in right now. I pray that we would not be those uh Christians sitting on the sidelines, Lord, but you, rather you would uh just equip us for whatever you want to do. Lord, you want us to sit down? You want us to stand up? uh Whatever it is you want to do, Lord, reveal your will in our life, uh, but equip us, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.